0: Welcome to Us Only Younger, the podcast that explores a little bit about our childhoods and the choices and challenges we made to get where we are today. Hi, welcome to Us Only Younger. My name is Pam Dukes, and I am very excited to have with me today a super special guest, and his name is Rusty Atkinson. Hi,
1: Rusty. Hey, it's great to be here.
0: It's so good for you to join me. Let me go ahead and formally introduce Rusty. Rusty is an experienced CIO and SaaS business leader with over 20 years of experience leading technical teams, supporting enterprise applications and services, and delivering and supporting SaaS offerings. Rusty is an active DEI ally advocate and sponsor. He has held executive roles in healthcare, security, and software companies. He currently serves as CIO of Signify Health. Rusty lives in Keller, Texas with his wife of 29 years. Amazing. His two children, their spouses, and his two beautiful grandchildren also live in the Keller area. He's an avid reader, preferring books on leadership and fiction in the fantasy genre. He is a lifelong Commanders fan. It's an NFL team from D.C. area. Okay, I'm like, really? Nobody knows who the Commanders are. Rusty. Oh,
1: come on. I am sorry. Come on.
0: Are there any NFL teams that you
1: follow? No, no, no. The Commanders are the team formerly known as the Washington Redskins. They changed the oh, name. Oh, that's who that is. No, I was thinking
0: it was a USFL or something. No, come on. You see how well they it's like, going <laughs> on.
1: They play like a USFL team sometimes, but they're not. I
0: can't. Okay. So we're going right off script here, Rusty. All right. I wanted to ask you because I was thinking about this. And for some reason, there are people that I meet, whether it's at work or somewhere, where we just instantly connect. And I was trying to figure out what is it about that person and me in our relationship that makes that happen? You know, the way I describe it, I imagine if something happened to me. And I don't go to Rusty's house. I don't communicate with his family. We just know each other through work. But I know if I were to reach out to you and say I need help, you would help me. I just know it. Where does that connection happen? It's weird. It's not because we work with hundreds, and hundreds of people. I know I can't
1: do this with everybody, but I know I can do it with you. Why you know, do you think that is? I bet you the first time we met, you wouldn't have felt that way. I think it's a. I mean, it's about trust. It's a. It's a thing that happens. Then you can't force. I think it happens sort of organically when, when I show up when mm-hmm. you need, when you show up when I need, when you see me do things that you consider trustworthy, when I see you do things that I consider trustworthy. I think it's back and forth. It's that proving character, I think, causing mm-hmm. you to know if you reached out to me and you needed help with something, yeah, for sure. I'm going to do it if I can.
0: I'm really grateful for it, Rusty. It's Absolutely been wonderful. So let's get this party started with some of my normal questions. So I want to know about little Rusty. What were you like? <laughs> what was your childhood like? Were you someone who liked school? It's, if you're an avid reader, I'm assuming you were a bookworm. So tell yeah, us. Yeah,
1: I, I was that. a bookworm. Yeah, I was a bookworm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Still to this day, it's, your dad was in the army. So when I got out of high school, I had no friends that I had known for more than three years. Oh. Really, I mean, you you just refreshed friends because you moved, and your friends were the people that you were with, and they were so, you know, army brats too, so they moved. So you you just didn't have longtime friends until you get out of high school. Okay, um, and so that meant your best friends or the people you hung out with the most were your siblings and yourself. And I don't know, I was that kid in school that uh, maybe the brainiac or whatever, but uh, certainly not the most popular kid in school. Certainly not the athlete. Certainly not the. Uh, you know, the in click. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think kids probably still do it this, this day. I haven't been a kid in a couple of years, but I suspect they still do it. They tend to disengage in groups that where they don't feel members. Right. I think mm-hmm. we do it in, in our adult lives too. And so i I liked school insofar as I liked learning. And I liked it probably because it was really easy for me, but I read, that's what I did. I put my music, heavy metal on my <laughs> headphones and I got my books out, and I would just read. That's all I did; is I just read. I, wow. So. Okay. But you know, jumping around from school to school. I mean, that when I graduated high school, I graduated in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. a year that I won't mention.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but up till that point, I had lived in Germany for longer than I had lived in any other place in the world. I'd lived in Germany for a total five years up to the point in my life. And oh, you wow. see a lot of things, and you're in a lot of different places. But I mean, it shapes you. It, mm-hmm. it shapes you probably more than anything else about your childhood.
0: Okay. Do you think you maybe felt a little bit like an outsider then because you were not in the States for as long? So you were just trying to figure it out a little bit, maybe?
1: When I finished up in Geronimo High School, Geronimo, Oklahoma,
0: mm-hmm. uh, when
1: I finished up there, no, it was a small high school. I mean, a small high school. There were cliques. You know, we graduated with 30 some odd seniors. It was one group. We were oh my all, I wouldn't say we were all tight, like super close, but there weren't any cliques, really, because it's such a small school. So that kind of broke the mold a little bit. But in the bigger schools that I had attended, yeah, for sure, I felt like you find the groups that you, you find identity with the group, and that's where you uh, gravitate. And, and for me, for a long time, I, I mean, I gravitated to family and, and to my books. That's just what I did.
0: Okay. So going through school, what were some of your favorite subjects? I'm assuming English. Does that go without
1: saying? Did, right? I, I mean, I didn't. I, I never disliked English, but, man, we weren't reading the right stuff. <laughs> I mean, on, let's be real. That's not the stuff I run on my own. Yeah, but I've always liked words, and I've always liked. I've had this romantic idea of writing probably longer than than I could even remember. It's forever. So English, maybe, but I think I like the most math, which is ironic because I absolutely despise it since college. But there was something in high school about about math that just, like I said, I didn't struggle with it. No, I didn't take advanced, you know, college calculus and stuff in high school. We didn't. That
0: mm-hmm. wasn't.
1: Reading. But the classes I was in, I I got. They just clicked. It was, you know, I remember thinking that they were kind of like word. The word problems were kind of like mysteries or puzzles to put together, and it just it clicked. And I kind okay. of like. Okay, yeah. so would you
0: say you enjoyed high school? Were you like excited to get out in the world, or were you kind of like,
1: "Get me out of here"?
0: Because I know some kids were like, "Get me out of here." <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah I, you know, when I answer that question, I'll answer just of my last three years at drama. Okay. Okay. I liked it. I liked school, but I was ready to be out too. Mm-hmm. you know, you know, all the things I talked about, not being in the in crowd and not being popular all that stuff. When you're a group of 30 people and your identity as the smart guy is accepted mm-hmm. and you don't gotta be somebody you're not, that lets you kind of be yourself. And, and that's where I was for the last three years. And so I liked it, but I joined the, the uh, Oklahoma national guard when I was between my junior and my senior year in high school. So I was a student still. And I was going every weekend uh, every one week in a month to national guard drills and you know i had used to have long hair as we all did back in the late 90s but i had it all shaved and it was high and tight and and so i had started i had going to have a career in the military that was going to be a you know an army officer that was my dream and i started it really between my junior and senior year so i was i mean i was moving on before my senior year i finished my senior year and did all the things i was supposed to do but it was on to the next thing you know i, I had this plan and i was pushing for
0: okay so, you are an IT guy, like I'm an IT gal. Tell me how you kind of found your way into that, and maybe some of your experiences. Did you try something and think, "Oh yeah, I'm not doing that," or it always just kind of
1: worked for you? No, as I said, I, I mean, I had I had the grand plan. General Atkinson, that was gonna be me. See me, uh-huh. okay. Chief of staff, yeah, that was gonna be me. And I, I got I got in the army, and I was commissioned in 1991 in the, in the army, and I mean, that was I was on that path. And at that time, you had to have a four-year degree to be an active duty officer. So I had two years of school left, and I met my wife. Well, I met my girlfriend, who then quickly became my wife. Uh, and she, uh, in the way that wives only wives can, made it pretty clear that that she wasn't going to be married to a soldier. And so my priorities changed, right? Right. Um, and I didn't. So I didn't know. I was still going to school. I was finishing that up, but I didn't know what I was going to do. But I was for sure, Pam. Few things in this world were more certain than I was not going to be a computer guy. <laughs> I was sure. of it. Told my wife a number of times. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, this, was, this was in, uh, this was in the early nineties, and you know, personal computer had just kind of hit mainstream, and I, I was in sales at the time, and, okay. and and we started selling PCs, and and I would just for my customers, I would help them install their their RAM or their hard drive or what the problems they had with their, you know, windows operating system. Remember this is back in the early nineties. And I just had a knack for it. And I, but she's like, you should do this. You should do that. No, no, no. I'm not going to be a computer guy. It's just not going to happen. And um, I love it. I got pulled into it kicking and screaming, you know, it it just, like I said, I had a knack for it. And Mm -hmm. uh, years later, just in the last, five or seven years, maybe 10 years, I had a mentor told me that some of the worst advice that he's heard people give their kids is follow what you're passionate about. He said, okay. that, He said, and it made sense to me because when I heard him say and after we talked about it, if I follow what I was passionate about, I would be an unemployed baseball or football player because I was passionate about baseball, football, but I was awful. I was always the, you know, I uh, okay. had the big frame and big body who just didn't have the skills or the talent, Right. And, uh, and so if I had followed what I was passionate about, I'd be an unemployed, never-made-it football, or baseball player. He said, instead, do the thing that you're really good at because mm. if you're really good at it, then making your living will be easy and you'll have time and resources to follow the thing that you're passionate about as a hobby. And then if you can do it long enough, maybe as a career late in your life. I think that rings true with me. And so I got into IT just because it was the early 90s and it was opportunity. Mm. And then as I got rolling, you know, we were in the, the beginning, the late 90s, the mid 90s, we were at the beginning of the dot-com boom when, I mean, it was, if you had a strong pulse and you knew anything about computers, you had a job. You yeah. Had a great job, right? it was a, and so uh, it kind of pulled me in that way.
0: Okay. So I want to talk about the major decisions you've made that had a big impact. I love when you say, when you met your girlfriend, who's now your wife, I'm sure that was a big impact for you. Mm-hmm, Can you yeah. share, share a couple of those decisions with us? Well, I mean, that's
1: the biggest impact on my career was the decision not to be a soldier and to be a, uh, a not soldier instead. Cause I, I, the decision wasn't to be a geek, it was to be a not soldier. Right. So that was the biggest decision. You know, I thought back many times over the years, cause I, I mean, my, I think very fondly and uh, my time in the army and, and I think I could have had a great career and it would have been mm-hmm. wholly different than my current career for sure. But then once I made that decision, you know, Succumbing to my wife's better suggestions of following my skills into IT, that was a big turning point. Mm. But, you know, if I think about it, you know, my first really good IT job—I was working for a little software integrator in Arlington, Texas, and we would go out and do network service jobs, just um, you know, jobs for small IT shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, the IT folks that were there didn't couldn't figure out, needed help, things of that nature. Pam, I found myself in over my head. Just about everywhere I went, like everywhere I went, I knew a fraction of what I needed to solve the problems. And it was just being, I don't know, fake it till you make it, I guess, just being willing to go in, knowing mm-hmm. you're going to be over your head, but right. knowing that, look, just give me some time. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to mm-hmm. figure this out. And we could do a six hour podcast and I could tell you all kinds of crazy stories of places where I was. Uh-huh. And I was the only one in the room that knew I had no idea what I was doing. And everybody else in the room was like, oh, good. I'm so glad you're here. You, uh, you don't know. You shouldn't be so glad I'm here. Uh, have one example, I'll tell you that my first day on this job at that small shop in, in Arlington, Texas, I mm-hmm. went out to do a job at this company in Arlington that, mm-hmm. that had some kind of weird networking problem. And I got out there and... Pam, I was clueless as to how to even begin troubleshooting the problem. I mean, they were rattling off acronyms and stuff that I had never heard of. (laughs) And make a long story short, we get to poking around, and I I essentially said, show me a system that is working and show me a system that's not working. And I didn't do anything more than just compare numbers on the screens in this thing called TCPIP properties, which at the time I didn't know what that was. And uh, there was this one thing, the subnet mask, that was different between them. I didn't know what a subnet mask was. Mm -hmm as I had all the confidence in the world of a 20-year-old, this is probably your problem. This number, <laughs> I don't know what it means. I changed that number, and now I know why it worked and how it resolved the problem, but at the time, I didn't. But wow. so God my witness. In that conversation, the manager who, brought, who asked us to come help him offered me a job, and the only thing I could think of is if I don't get out of here quickly, he's going to find out that I'm an imposter and I have no idea what I'm doing. So I thanked him for the offer. No, I like the job I'm at. And I, I left him believing that I knew what I was doing. Wow. I, I'd say that's probably the kind of thing that, that was most influential in my career was the willingness to go in and just,
0: mm-hmm.
1: just figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Have confidence that tomorrow is going to bring a problem we've never seen before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Bring it on. We'll figure it out. You know?
0: Okay. Well, I, I think uh, we all know that, you know, jobs in IT and, and particularly also in healthcare are, are still pretty strong. I always imagine that there's a, a young parent who's got a child who may want to somehow get into computers and, you know, they don't want to do the coding class or something. So do you have any ideas or recommendations you could give them to maybe help them encourage their child or experiments that, you know, at some point, you know, I'll give you my example. My son, I've always thought he was going to be a software engineer because he's just coding. He's doing iCode right now. And recently in the car, he's he's sort of into the digital kind of UX, you know, production stuff. And I'm thinking, wait, where did that come from? I thought we were going over in this direction. And again, it's still IT and everything, but he's already pivoting at 13. So, you know, I mean, obviously, he's going to do whatever he wants to do. I want to support that. But I can see him trying to navigate his way into what part of that he wants to do. So do you have any uh, suggestions or ideas or strengths that you think they can start to work on younger that will help them?
1: I'll tell you this: that the tech careers from here forward, unlike in the past, maybe mm-hmm. ten years ago and beyond, I think for the person who wants a career in, in in technology and is not interested in doing any coding, it's going to be an uphill battle. Mm. I think I think going for some kind of foundation in application development, even if it's not you know full life cycle development and some kind of you know Visual Basic and you know, in Excel or something, mm-hmm. having that understanding of that, you know, that, that syntax, that, that, that the way that works, I think it's foundational for IT jobs. I really do. Having said that, it, you know, just being exposed as you talked about your son shifting gears and being around design, just mm-hmm. being exposed to the different elements and um, having the confidence to sort of just try it out. You know, if it's producing a program like this and getting into the AV side of content creation or, to your point, design or what have you, that's exposure to those things and finding, helping the, the young person find the thing that does kind of catch their attention, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, and, you, you know, you, you want to take a lot of swings, to use a baseball analogy, to get that hit, you may have to take a lot of swings before you find the thing that works. And I think the only way you lose, especially as a young person, is if you decide, "Hey, I tried one thing and it's not for me." You tried one thing and you figured out all of technology is not for you. You know, right. helping them be curious with technology, help them be curious about the different skill sets that might they might be able to cultivate. I think that's probably the best thing uh, that they can do, and getting them involved in some kind of interesting, you know, coding design for kids of appropriate age. You know, if I had kids now. I can assure you I'd be encouraging them to do it for sure. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thank you. That's a good, that's a really good answer. I have one more question for you. I know that you and I both are in the field of where we actually hire people. And I know there's folks out there now that are actually looking for new roles, potentially in IT or elsewhere. I'm wondering if you have any good interviewing tips or, you know, even resume tips that things are folks can do any kind of information like that based on your experience and what you've seen and what's come in front of you that you've spoken to and stuff that you might be able to impart on the audience.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's different than the six hour podcast. We should just get these scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't have six hours, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'll tell you that the thing that surprises me as a hirer, mm-hmm. I just, I haven't been able to figure out is how unprepared some candidates are when they show up to the interviews. Right? How unprepared. One of the questions I love to ask candidates, especially the more senior the candidate is, is how did you prepare for today's interview? And the number of candidates who give me crickets as answers, who, you know, I looked at your website, uh, I looked at your LinkedIn profile, and that's the depth of the research they did about the industry, about the products that uh, the company offers, about um, our leadership, our goals, our company performance, jobs that I've been in the past, who the other leaders are this is all available just with fewer clicks than it takes to you know order pizza mm-hmm. that you hope to get a job it, the job is the opportunity is important enough that I'm going to go through the process of applying and getting the interview but not take that extra step to mm-hmm. give yourself as good a chance as possible at the interview I don't understand that rationale I think people, don't recognize the competitive advantage. It's a home field advantage when you go into the interview knowing the interviewer and knowing their company and knowing what they did last quarter and what they plan on doing next. Hmm. Coming in with that kind of knowledge it lets you do a lot. It lets you answer the question, what do you do to prepare? At the very mm-hmm. least, it prepares you to ask questions when you're asked at the, interview. Mm-hmm. at the end of the interview. And it also gives you context for every single answer to every single question that you're going to give. You know, that as a backdrop, what they're experiencing, what their company is all about. And it it allows you to craft your answers so that they'll land better. Your goal is to make it hard on that interviewer to say anything other than you're hired. You want them to leave in there and say, man, I I got hired this guy. I got hired.
0: Yeah. Wow. That is a phenomenal answer. I was thinking about the question, you know, tell me what you know about the company, but it's so much better to really understand what your preparation was to get in this chair because we all know that recruiters review stuff and then they do their you know a couple of questions and then maybe you make it to another person and then maybe you get the group interview or the final decision maker and to think that you know you could get that far and not have a good answer that that is that is gold that is right. really yeah.
1: gold you're setting yourself up you go through all of that and you don't and you don't do the research just how let's be simple pam how do you know you want to work for that company if you haven't discover what the company's
0: all about right it's just a
1: practical it's a practical step that you should be taking and improve your thoughts too
0: absolutely so just appearing because you need a job and just being there you're going to be compared with everyone else and just knowing that little bit more gives you that advantage that was a really good answer i don't have any more questions we're going to have to end on that one rusty but thank you so much for your time i hope you've enjoyed this experience
1: absolutely excellent excellent thank
0: you okay great thank you bye-bye